Thank you for joining me for another night of Dungeons and & Dragons and a new campaign. I am, as always, your Dungeon Master, Kenny. I have the distinct privilege of starting a new campaign with a new roster of heroes, some familiar, some very new. Uh, if you would please uh, you know, enjoy what I have to offer and what my new friends can offer with us. That sounded a lot better in my head. It will continue to get better, but right now it's real bad. Uh, but before I have the distinct privilege of introducing my friends and our adventurers for this campaign, Critical Wick, for all of your Dungeons and & Dragons and Soy Candle needs. There's a die in every candle. Check it out. Uh, so, going in no particular order, allow me to introduce our first new player and our, our fighter for the group, uh, hi, I'm Nick. I'm the Triton Fighter. What's your character's name, bud? Oh, uh, that would be Nalos. All right, and a returning uh, adventurer from a previous campaign, our only one, I believe, in this campaign. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm playing Vala, the Asimar Bard. We have another new face, and so is the rest of them, so I'm going to stop uh, prefacing with it. Our... I totally know who he is. Uh, Druid. <laughs> I, I'm Clay. I'm playing Crack the uh, Aracoa Druid. Um, just as a heads up for the listeners, if we say Birdman at any point, we are talking about Aracoa or Arakoa or however they're properly pronounced. Aracocra. Aracocra. Okay. That might be the only time it's properly said. But that's oh, okay. who we're talking about. Next, we have our... Uh, Furbolg, uh, murderer, I mean, um, rogue. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm playing Leonara, the Furbolg rogue. Then we have our uh, Kenku Warlock. Hi, my name's Cody. I'm Necro, the Kenku Warlock. And lastly, but not leastly, and undeniably probably the biggest of all of the people in this party, if not second biggest, our Barbarian. Hi, I am Andrew, and I am playing Pahokwi, the Yak Folk Barbarian. So, How tall are you? I'm eight foot two. Uh, I am. You are light, slightly bigger than me. Yes. I'm. Uh, I'm eight feet, I believe. Good. I mean, I would definitely go on record and say you might have two more inches on him, but that's probably because you wear shoes. Hey, man, what's the difference in two inches? <laughs> well, and probably the hundred pounds of body mass that your barbarian has over the rogue. Eh. Anyway, so this is uh, what I've seen a lot of people call session zero. This is not a actual campaign session. It's just a session to uh, interview the players, make sure they know what they're getting into, give them a setting, let them know kind of what's been going on in the world right before this campaign story begins and why and where they are. Um, so first things first, I want to go through and just ask the players in no particular order, uh, just, you know talk as you will um on a scale of one to ten with one being super silly and ten being very serious with no fun allowed signs posted outside of every village how serious would you guys like the tone for this campaign to be so one is not serious and ten is serious yes one is goofy fucking rainbows and lasers in a high fantasy setting riding on unicorns 
and ten is grim, dark, my past. <laughs> my past. All right, great. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're not asking in any order. I would say like seven to eight personally, um, okay. and like I would settle for like a five or a six. Yeah, I said six. I'm okay with silliness, but I don't want to be sidetracked on everything because of goofy antics. Yeah. yeah. I want the, the possibility of that, but not that every single time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like what Elise said. I'm all for silliness, but I, well, yeah, I wouldn't mind like a good, a nice good balance of tone or towards more of the serious side. Gotcha. Anyone else, uh, different perspective? Uh, I'm coming in at like a five. I like a, a good amount of silliness. Okay. But with, you know, a serious framework. Well, let's let's pose it this way. Yeah. Since you've played it in a campaign of mine before, uh, how would you said it was serious-wise? Like from using that same scale of one to ten. It was pretty serious. I would say like a six. Okay. But all right, so you're looking for something just like a step down from that because I can totally do that with that as like a launch point. Um, I think about the same as the last campaign, maybe one step sillier, but gotcha. I don't know, kind of feel the vibe and where it goes. Of course, through. of course. Cool. All right. Well then, um, I hope that instills in all of you that I'm very capable of delivering that kind of setting for you guys. Um, I'm pretty sure I've talked listlessly to almost all of you about the setting you're going into. It's a world of my own creation uh, and all the ego stroking that goes into that. Um, it is called Yalzar. It has a lot of notable distinctions that are different from other similar mid to high fantasy settings. It's not particularly high fantasy. Um, like there is magic. It's relatively commonplace, but there's something that I believe that I haven't mentioned to almost any of you. And that is if you consult the map that is on the Facebook group, there's dotted lines all over the major landmasses. Those aren't just like major roads because there are major roads and they're probably pretty close to those lines as well. But those dotted lines are specifically a world known transit system known as the Ella rail for short or the elemental rail system in longhand and uh it's been around for a few hundred years now it's become very very popular it's a little on the expensive side um so generally adventurers and and the bourgeois z would be on the ella rail but uh you know people that go on like a nice big old vacation might spend their savings to you know travel the the major continent in a week and week or two rather than on horseback dangerous and several months um, even though some of you guys are kind of detached from the world as a whole, whether you're a hermit or from just an entirely different kind of worldview, like our Triton, you still probably would have heard of the Ella rail. Like I said, it's been around for a long time. Um, but it is a, basically it's a train. It's not actually a train, but you're going to hear me call it a train a lot. Um, because it is a series of compartments dragged along a rail system but not by a coal-powered engine and locomotion, but by quite actually a large iron cage ball. Inside of it is a bunch of conjured and bound elementals that are just dragging the, the, the compartments along the rail. 
And uh, it's very reasonable for any player to have very strong ethical feelings about that. Um, whether they just appreciate the modern convenience or have really big issues with torturing elementals for, you know, transit. Um, okay, let's... Uh, I think I had one other question from you guys. Oh, uh, how long are do you guys want this campaign to be? I am very much capable and willing for this to be a relatively long story. I have a lot of points that I'd like to hit along the way, but I also like side quests, and, and digressing into those side quests is a lot of fun. Uh, it's generally where we find a lot of the more interesting character moments for everybody. So, um, again, in no particular order, sort of free range, uh, does anyone have any strong feelings about how long this campaign should or shouldn't be? Uh, personally, I would like a longer campaign with, uh, some side quests here and there. Okay. Same. You know, at least a couple months, um, you know, hopefully, like, five or six months if we're going weekly. Longer if it's, like, every other week or monthly. If it's monthly, definitely longer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Long campaign sounds good. Alright, so... with me? Anyone particularly wanting this to be short? All right. Uh, so let me just get into some uh, recent history on a global scale, and then we can go into each other's backstories and sort of talk about like why this Triton is walking around on dry land and why this Yak folk left the tundra and etc. Um, so the history of Yalzar is I have not actually bothered with like calendars or anything yet to be entirely honest. So it's not like we're starting in the month of the sunlight glare on the fourth day of the 17th. We it's don't fantasy calendars are ridiculous and I respect people that put them together, but I'm not that smart. So all you need to know is that in recent history, there uh, is become this great awareness that there are these four magical crystals in the world that literally hold the fucking world together, apparently, um, and channel and divine the magics of the world and separate them and keep it balanced. And allegedly, every 1,000 years, some malevolent force tries to creep into the world through and corrupting these crystals. And uh, that shit just happened. It's a prophecy that allegedly recurs every 1,000 years, and a for some of you, maybe even saw a portal open in the fucking sky and a big red dragon threw some people through that portal and then they fell out sometime later and the portal closed. And you heard, probably through one way or the other, that, hey, that saved the world. That's kind of a big deal because the world almost just ended and that would have been a real bummer. So the events before that happening were all throughout the world. I mean, even again, to the people from quite off the beaten path, you would have felt the reverberations of what had been happening and what could have happened. Uh, crops dying, um, just pieces of earth floating into the air, uh, for no reason. Um, you know, volcanoes becoming active. Like it was very, very visible from all angles that the world was divulging into chaos. And then everything came, went back to normal almost overnight. 
It's been about half a year since that event happened, and things have become peaceful once again. Roads are safe from monsters and banditry. Uh, pe- the, 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 the biggest nations of the world have extended hands in open diplomacy that were already on good terms, or even ones that, that weren't on good terms. Because it's hard to justify waging war when the collective world's sphincter just clenched at the concept of total annihilation. So, warring tribes in the rainforest have called a peace. Uh, people who would normally slit purses on the street have taken up new lines of honest work. It's It's been kind of a weird shift in a peaceful direction. And it's been odd for everyone. So, uh, let's go ahead and just go down. Um, Nicholas, what, uh, sorry, Nalos, what brings your character out of the mighty oceans and where, uh, in the water did you hail from? Uh, the Tritons as a sort of coming of age, rite of passage, uh, they spend usually about a year. They leave the water and, uh, experience what's new on the surface world. Um, most of us come back. Sometimes we don't, and we pick up either work as adventurers or similar things. Um, so I'm I'm just recently leaving the water and experiencing what you all deal with on the daily basis. And so I good. Uh, I come from a reef that is just south of the rainforest. Um, on Yalzar Majora. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your character would look like. Like if you were sitting in a tavern and my character walked in and he looked at you, what would he, what would he see? <clears throat> uh, yeah, where are my notes on that? So Nalos is about five and a half feet tall. His uh, skin is a nice aquamarine color. And he has green eyes. Uh, Tritons don't actually have hair. They have long, loose fins that grow out of their head. Uh, and his is violet with some streaks of red. Uh, think sort of like beta fish fins. And are you dressed in armor or clothes? Do you look like a pauper, uh, a noble? Uh, he is actually of a more upper class in Triton culture. Um, he wears, generally, his uh, chainmail, which is a heirloom that's been passed through his family because it's been kept in a, a very tight box so it doesn't rust. He likes to sort of show that off because you can't really show off your metal things underwater that well. Right. <clears throat> and so, so you're just out of the water on the mainland for your pilgrimage or whatever it is? Yes, uh, he does have, he would like to try and find his sister, Belfin. Uh, she left on her pilgrimage about five years ago, and uh, for some reason did not return home. So he would like to just sort of see what's so great about the surface that she never came back, or what came from that. Gotcha. So you made your way inland, uh, and sort of kissed the edge of the marshlands and the rainforest, riding that river as it was probably very easy for you. And uh, you found a town where 
after just inquiring around a little bit um, about, hey, you know, what's what's going on and looking for my sister. And someone mentioned the Adventurers Guild and that it's very common for Triton folk to get enlisted in the Adventurers Guild. And sometimes they get stuck on land doing work for them. So you headed north to the nearest directions that pointed you there to uh, an Adventurers Guild outpost in the port town of Clamara. And so you've just arrived at Clamara last night. And that's what's ended uh, Nalos in this campaign. Next, we have Lauren's character, uh, Vala. Okay. Um, so I don't have anything like super, super solid, but um, I was thinking uh, Vala um, grew up in a small to medium-sized town. Um, being told like stories of kind of these uh, great deeds, uh, you know, grand heroes, um, and she's kind of aspired to uh, that level of uh, fame. And so she wants to be the subject of those stories and sets out to kind of write them herself. Um, and so are you an Azamar from birth or were, did you become sort of touched by the Celestials and became an Azamar? I thought it was a thing from birth, but I didn't know you could become an Azamar. I thought it was like a, a race that you just were. Uh, it, it is, but it's so the Azamar are celestial beings, right? Mm-hmm. So you could either be a human, die, and the gods are like, hey, you were like a really cool and like valorous person. So if you want to live again, we'll give you like this glowy bod and make you an Azamar. But then Ooh, again, glowy bod? right? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, you just think about how you died. or you could have just become, been made uh, and born as an Azamar. That's entirely your choice. Uh, I like the idea of dying and ascending being, as it were. Uh, yeah. Cool. So yeah, go ahead and work on that little backstory eventually, yeah. and we'll get to it maybe at some point. But uh, for now, so you've been searching fame and the glory that your radiance deserves, mm-hmm. and uh, uh-huh. through no particular series of pathways, you've heard that the Adventurers Guild is hosting some sort of annual festival of skills, as they call it, and what a better stage. And so that is being held in the port town of Clamara. And you've made your you made your way there, and you've been performing at one of the local taverns for a few nights to drum up coin, waiting for the festival to start. Uh, what continent is that on? Uh, Just the, so I can orient myself. The very northern tip of Yalzar Majora. There's like a grassland patch above the marshes. There's two dots along the coast. Okay. Port Clamara is the left one. Cool. Uh, so. Again, let's say some of the characters in this party are sitting in the tavern and you're performing. What What is it they're exactly putting their eyes on? Um, I play um, a pretty standard loop. Um, probably some kind of, you know, peppy drinking song. I assume this is like, what time of day? It's 
I mean, it's it's a high fantasy setting, so it's drink a clock. Okay. But... Okay. Fair. So some kind of pretty standard, um, you know, drinking song. One of those with like a million verses. Well, and what do you look like? Like, what do they actually see oh, when they okay. look at you? Um, I'm. Uh, if I was a human before, probably. Um, Five five, uh, long, white blonde hair, maybe glowy. Um, uh, light piercing eyes and uh, pale skin, uh, as is typical of the Azamar. Uh, I tend to wear uh. Well-kept, if somewhat um, shabby clothes, for I am just a student. All right. Let's see. Uh, Clay or Karak, what's, uh, yes. what's, what's your character's whole deal? Who, who is Karak? So Karak came from the mountains in Yalzar Minor. Um from a young age, he was always destined to be a druid and was always told this. Uh, so, when he grew up enough to set out on his own, he did so to seek the druidic prowess that he's told that he's supposed to have. Um, and just became a hermit and uh, explored around Yelzar Minor. And during the, uh, the uh, recent uh, near near apocalypse he got a lot of practice in the, in the trying to restore nature to the way it should be but uh, now that that has ceased he's not really sure what I'm supposed to do so decided to rejoin society and seek it elsewhere seek druidic enlightenment alright so you left Yalzar Minor found a barge and through pure circumstance uh, it's Dropping you off at Port Clamara. You probably haven't heard of this festival of skill, and you have no necessary business with the Adventurers Guild, but here you are. All right, um, Andrew. Yeah. Tell us about Pahokwi. So, I'm Pahokwi, and uh, he is of the tribes of the scattered yak folk of the northern continent of uh, the northern part of the continent of Yalzar Majora. And while everything is, you know, peaceful and nice for all of you folk out there outside of the frozen north, we're still dealing with large monsters with tremor sense that won't let us hunt very well. Um, so there are villages that have these elders that will meditate and allow some to hover over uh, the snowy drifts of the north. And then there are people like me coming from other scattered villages that don't have this. And we have a, have it quite a bit harder than them. Um, and as such, uh, you might have heard of a couple great heroes uh, rising up from said villages to defend them, uh, such as myself, uh, <coughs> Pahokwi. Um, and so I've decided that in the last half year or so since the uh, great event 
that almost caused the end of the world, that it's my time to shine. It's my time to leave my village and acquire the skills and abilities to return one day and become a grand hero of my people and show them that we can walk out on those snowdrifts and hunt the fiercest of monsters and be just as good as the other villages. Right on. So, you've traveled outside of the frozen uh, tundra of Yalzar Majora and heard some rumor that there was a beast of renown and what better way to prove your worth to this new stretch of land than by hunting some great beasts and getting some renown. My thoughts exactly. Exactly. So you went out into the relatively open grasslands of northern Yalzar Majora between the marshes, the rainforest, and the tundra and found the great beast they were referring to. Was merely a dire boar, a big boar, and a hard one as well but not much in terms of staying power toe-to-toe with the yak folk who come from harder stock, of course. So after slaying the great beast and bringing back its sundered tusks and skull, you were given some food and praised as a hero. And after a few days of all of the ale you could stomach and feasts you could manage, you thought a new place to go. And you heard one of the farmers that you had helped by killing this boar for them, that there was... A port town, Port Clem, Port, blah, blah, Plurk, Plort, Port Clamara, and they were having a festival of skills. They do it every year. And you thought, well, I've sharpened my steel on the local wildlife. Let's see how I can comp- compare to more aware creatures and challenges. And so you've set hoof to Clamara and have arrived, waiting eagerly for this test of skill. All right. Cody. Atticus. Atticus. Yes, sir. Yep, I'm here. Tell us. Oh, sorry. I totally uh, overlooked um, Pahokwi. What do you look like, Pahokwi? Okay. So, as a yak folk, uh, obviously I'm a little yakish. Uh, <laughs> now, you, usually yaks kind of have like a longer snout. Um, and from the pictures that I've seen of the yak folk in D&D, they're more smushed. So somewhere between like a yak and a bison um is more what you're looking at uh he's got completely white fur from head to toe he's white all over um a little bit of a like long fluffy tail uh going on as yaks do uh and he's very large he's eight feet of pure muscle and uh he is wearing uh like uh, very light skins of clothing made fashioned from like local wildlife that they would make their uh, normal clothes out of. Um, and he carries with him a long two-handed glaive that he uses as a walking stick most of the time, as well as a shield strapped across his back that has hide across it and is also painted with various tribal paints and sigils. Um and four javelins uh, nestled into his back. Um, Not into his back. Like, he's not, you know, dying slowly as he meets you guys. Uh, But he just has them. And uh, he's got kind of, um, not long horns, but kind of uh, upturned, uh, medium-sized. All right. And uh, I realize that we overlooked... uh... Clay's character's description. Karak. What does Karak look like? Um, Karak's rather tall for an Arakoa. 
Uh, he's about six foot, but still only, you know, 90 pounds because they're bird people. Um, no hair, of course. You got feathers. Uh, what skin that you can see is orange. It's got big talons and nasty looking uh, claws for, for feet. Um, his feathers are mostly browns and oranges and white. Um, what he wears is mostly just rags. Has some has been living out on his own, so it's not much in the way of uh, fancy clothes at all. Gotcha. Uh, do you have any weapons visible as you sort of walk about? Uh, you count claws as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so no, uh, no visible weapons other than what uh, what you were born with? That's right. All right. Uh, so yeah, now let's go ahead and go over to uh, Necro. Attica. All right. Yep. All right, so the uh, same with uh, Vala's character. My background is still a little vague. However, um, I am Necro, the Kenku Warlock. I was born in a flock uh, that's m- m- known more for assassins and criminal activity. However, uh, I, my life wasn't destined for that. I was always a question that I needed answering from a more of a higher power, and I was more of the power to fly. Since uh, Kenkus, we are flightless humanoid creatures. Uh, we are cursed without wings. Um, so from then I knew uh, the magical arts is where I would be able to find this, hence why I started to tinker with warlock spells and dedicating myself uh, to the Crow Queen. Raven The Queen. Raven Queen, I'm sorry. Yep, sorry. Uh and, and forming a pack with her to be able to control my own uh, familiar creatures and to one day find the question, uh, the answer to the question is how would I be able to fly uh, since I was robbed on it from an early, uh, early stage. Uh, so since you don't really know where you're hailing from, can I go ahead and place you? Yes. So the Kenku in my mind in the world of Yalzar are... The Kenku are are uh, found primarily in the Underdark, in the mountain mm-hmm. ranges of, in in like deep cave networks in the mountain ranges of Yalzar Majora's northern area, where where you normally find yourself serving uh, Drow lords, and so you've you've forsaken almost every aspect of your former life, moving forward. And uh, and have found yourself in Port Clamara, saying, "If you can prove yourself to the Adventurers Guild, maybe they can teach you the secret of flight." Okay. All right. And uh, I like that. Nice. And we can we can fluff it out as we go. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and if you ran into me at the tavern, because I am a. Oh right, yeah. What do you look like? Like I like to get my beak wet. Um. 
So I have uh, more black skin and black feathers where most of my body is covered in black feathers. However, uh, my arms and legs are very like scaly, like raving, like crow-like. Um, and that's also black. Uh, but a, a defining feature for me, uh, rather than having typical dark beady eyes, I have uh, dead blue eyes that are very striking uh, to show that I am different than more, uh, most kangoos. And I'm about f- five feet in height, uh, but I'm a scrappy, scrappy bird and about 100 pounds. And I, you can distinguish me by those features as well as my, lar- um, my large black robe and cloak that I wear to, to hide my face. But you can always uh, see my piercing blue eyes. And don't you have something that chills out on your shoulder? Oh, I do. You're right. I have a, a little, uh, little raven friend. Uh, Central Raven that uh, stays with me as I go on our, and on our travels. And does he just look like a ra- regular Raven or not? I actually don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think he's more of like almost kind of a um, like ghostly like Raven. <laughs> That's what I pictured at least. Yeah, no, for sure. Right on. Because he's definitely fr- he's definitely not from this plane, this from dimensional plane. Yeah, absolutely not. Cool. All right, so that's Necro. And then we have our last but not least character, Nara. <clears throat> well, I am a furbog from the rainforest, which is the. Uh, find the map again. Uh, top left of Yalzar Majora, and uh, furbogs are a very like insular. And much like those dogs, I was the alert system, and it was basically like border patrol for my tribe and clan. Uh, I was much more willing to go out and adventure than other furbolgs, which is kind of how I got that job. And one day, like, I sensed a disturbance in the force and tried to tell my clan, and they're like, no, nothing's up, stop it. But I insisted that I needed, like, something was wrong. And they, like, was not okay with how they were handling things and made such a ruckus that they said, well, okay, leave and either, like, fix whatever's wrong or just don't come back because we don't want you back anymore. So I'm off trying to figure out what's wrong and redeem myself if possible or if that's what needs to happen. Um, Eight foot two grayish bluish skin really big bulbous nose um kind of like fawn ears that are big and point down and are a little bit furry uh like ginger dreadlocks um it's kind of normal adventurer clothes i guess um i have the i will be kind of changing my appearance some probably to human or elf uh because for bold magic, I can. And when I do that, I'll look very similar, just with the like same ginger locks um, as a human or as a elf with that. Okay. Um, are you wearing any visible weaponry, or do you... Like, what's um, your overall, like, color theme? Uh, ranger-esque color theme, I guess. Very neutrals. Um, you know rapier at my hip, I guess. Okay. So, you left the rainforest, and after shaking down a couple people, 
describing what you were looking for and not getting really any information. They just said, listen, if you want info, you almost have to deal with the Adventurer's Guild. They know everything. So you asked where the nearest outpost of the Adventurer's Guild was, and it was in Port Port Clamara. And here you are, Port Clamara. Um, So uh, that's all I really had for session tonight. But we've only been recording for like 36 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if everyone's cozy with actually starting the campaign tonight, I, I'm ready to do that. Is anyone not ready to do that? I mean, I'm ready to set hoof to Clamara. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I'm good with getting things started up today. Right on. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Right then. Um... So, our adventurer is going to sort of, like, pan through the clouds, down, down, down. You can see the coastline. Comes all the way down into this low wall, but walled city of Port Clamara. Port Clamara is a bustling town. Probably one of the larger towns in this area. And uh, probably houses several thousand people. Huge port, um, obviously, as the name would suggest. And... With that, has a relatively respectful militia. However, what's drawing all eyes that visit Port Clamara during this time of the year is the Adventurer's Guild's normal office, which is relatively quaint uh, as, as far as Adventurer's Guild outposts go, is booming with activity. And there are giant circus tents outside of the town's walls and torches at night and games and carnivals almost. It's quite the spectacle. And uh, it is the night is the uh, afternoon before the festival of skills begins. Um, if anyone in the party would like to make a uh, check to gather information, either through investigation or any of your intimidate or other social skills, please go for it. And then um, I'll call you as you uh, make those checks. Uh, Andrew, were you, uh, sorry, Pakui, Pahokui, were you interested in making a check? Um, you know, um, do I, uh, I have a question. So, this is all very, you know, obvious where the Adventures Guild is, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then I don't need to make a check. I know where I need to be. Okay, so you're just gonna go to the Festival of Skills? Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Necro. Uh, same with, uh, Bahokui. I know the Adventurer's Guild is going to be where I need to go in order if I want to enhance my Warlock abilities and also learn how to fly, so I don't need to check. That's where I'm going. Alright, uh, Nara. Um, I mean, I know where I'm going, but I still want to know what else is out there, so... For perception. What's your perception? Twelve. Okay. Um, with perception, you—I mean—you have a lay of the town. Uh, you've been there for most of the day, at the least. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know that the the festival is beginning, and there's um, 
you know, uh, all kinds of uh, festival preamble stuff going on outside of the city's walls uh, this evening. But other than that, you imagine you might just either stay in your inn room for the night before the festival in the morning or go out and enjoy the preamble events at the festival tonight. We'll go enjoy the festival. Um, um, I want to... Ooh, how long does this guy's self last for? Because not very long, right? Not really. I think it... Uh, I don't know. Go ahead and just take a look. <laughs> Karak, what's up? Well, I just arrived here. I've been living alone, mostly amongst bird people when I did live. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Okay. Um, so let's see, what should I check here? Investigation. Sure. Just uh, what, what's happening in the world. Um, I got to hold myself a 17. Do you, were you going to fly up and do that, or were you going to on the ground investigate the area? Uh, just on the ground. Okay, so you see that there's clearly uh, quite the hustle and bustle outside of the town walls. Um, but, you again, like uh, pretty much everyone else in the party, have been here for a day or, or so. Um, so you've been around the town, and you've seen that there's a lot of people talking about those big tents outside of town. Um, and some people don't know what you are. So, you know, they, there's some, a couple of younger people are looking at you like, oh, wow. Um, but overall, it's been a relatively, uh, eye-opening, but not exactly, uh, mind-expanding experience to sort of peruse what culture this fishing port has to offer. And, uh, Nala, or Vala? Um, so, I'm... Like we said in the intro, I'm playing in a bar. I'm going to finish up my song and um, ask the bartender. I assume this is an annual like skills competition. Um, I'm going to ask the bartender uh, about what happened last year. Like, All right. Who won? What was the competition? And what, what skill are you using for this? Uh... I guess persuasion to get him to tell me. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> Nine. Okay, so uh, he holds up I'll... your he he holds up your five coins that he would be paying you for your performance of the during the day, and he says, "Well, if these five coins don't mean anything to you. I could tell you a whole lot about what happened last year." Um, come on. Uh, girls gotta eat. How about we, uh, split the difference? He pulls a single of, he pulls a single gold coin out of the five and slides it along to you and puts the other four coins back in his pouch and says, plenty to eat off of a single gold coin in this town if you know where to eat, and it's not here. But... (laughs) (laughs) You tried to haggle him, and he's not having it. Like... (laughs) (laughs) so he says but yeah I can tell you about what happened last year at the festival of skills it's put on by the adventurers guild every year and if I'm entirely honest with you it's just a recruiting deal you're gonna go you're probably gonna be amazing at something 
and they're going to ask if you want to join the Adventurers Guild. I see people who join the Adventurers Guild and have a life of wonder and wealth, and I've also seen people who joined the Adventurers Guild and died the next day. So, you and your people who like glory and not knowing what tomorrow is will definitely be there. I'm sure you'll have a great time. But for me, I've got two more casks of ale to get ready for tomorrow. When all of you get done with your parties out there and then come and try and drink me dry. But it won't happen this year. I'm ready. (laughs) I assume he's serving the finest. No, I'm serving enough. All right. Uh, all right. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm down for, I guess, uh, heading out with my measly one coin and um, seeing the rest of the festival, and that's fine. Okay. And then uh, Nalos. Uh, Nalos has never seen such a crowded place before. He's mostly been around maybe a fishing village here and there. So he's not really going to bother to check on anything. He's just going to move about in the crowds and look and see what's going on. Well, you guys all pretty much stand out pretty hard in your own different regards. So any and all of you that have made your way to the the actual festival itself would probably notice each other amongst the crowd of very different people. Sure, some of you might have seen a Triton before. Sure, some of you might have seen a Yak Folk before. But to see a big white-furred Yak Folk is quite the sight. And to see a Triton so far from the shore is also interesting. But nevertheless... There is a big explosion of smoke in front of the, the 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 crowd that you're all sort of congealed into at the entrance to the little f- impromptu fairground, <clears throat> and uh, almost like a showman from a like early 1900s carnival, like big hat, big old glowing, glistening cloak, cane in hand, booming voice in the other, this larger than life but halfling man is standing on top of a soapbox as it were. And he shouts to the crowd of probably 50 or so people and goes, friends, adventurers to be and of accomplished note. I welcome you to the adventurers guild festival of skill. I am your master of ceremonies, Mildren. You may call upon me and I'm sure I will hear you. But before you do, We have rules before I let you onto these fairgrounds, and I should be forward with you exactly why we have such a gleaming hope for your success here. One, do not murder people. That seems obvious, but you would be surprised at how often people forget that. Two, theft will not be tolerated. Should you be found in the possession of other competitors' belongings that were once confirmably their own, you will be disqualified from any participation and escorted from the premises. Oh, another side note before I continue with these simple, very, very easy-to-follow rules. You might think that from where you come from, you're the biggest and baddest, or at least the smartest. I assure you, there are people here on site that are absolutely a grade above. Do not test us. 
We are here to test you. But enough with the seriousness. We have a show to run, games for you to masterfully perfect, and for us to be impressed by what you're capable of. I look around and I see people from all manners walks of life, some from close and maybe just down the street. Maybe some of you are sailors from Port Clamara itself, and some of you have come quite a ways. And it's at this point that uh, Clay uh, Karak sees the this this booming voice sort of look right at you. Like, he can tell immediately, you're not from around here, and that's exciting. Uh, but he says, anyway, thank you for coming, and as the rope burns to cinder on the ground, please, make yourselves, well, make yourselves whatever you think you are. And with that, he sort of claps, poofs into a plume of smoke, and the rope that was sort of barring entry into the festival grounds is lit aflame. Uh, a few full moments later, this rope falls to the ground in a pile of cinder, and many of the people in the front of the crowd begin to pour into this place. Uh, do you all follow through, or...? Oh, I certainly follow through. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm gonna follow them. It's like a candy store for adventurers, this this festival ground is. It's... it's it, for us humans in the real world, you know, you go to a carnival and there's like wild rides and like, can you knock down these milk bottles with a softball? It's it's like that, but for heroes, you know, there's gigantic boulders with handles on them and like this big buff guy who is like calling people out that look like they're strong to come up and see if they can lift the boulder. Uh, you know, there's a, a training ring with with dummies in them and a, and a very fancy swords... A woman standing there pointing her sword defiantly at people who would pass that have any weapons on their hips saying challenging people to come and test their metal on her straw men and maybe even herself. This repeats for almost every single sort of archetype or vocation that an adventurer might have. There's people uh, sitting there's there's an enchanting looking uh, gnomish woman sitting playing a lyre that's twice her size. And the music is enchanting to the ears, luring you into wanting to come in and and sit and play next to her. Uh, so imagine a, a something that would be relevant for your character, and it's 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 almost definitely a challenge for you to jo- go and try and best. So who's first? Um, well, I'm def. Uh, I think Pahokwe is definitely down to test his. Uh kill some time and uh test his might on that boulder okay so not long after you like to go test the boulder as well okay so so not long after you guys walk in that sort of big buff man sort of like points his whole hand towards you like he doesn't point he like sticks out all his fingers towards bohokwe and goes you there man with the fur and the horns let's see how strong those arms of yours are shall we So you step up and clop up or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he sort of looks you up and down, gives you a real proper uh, eyeing and goes, hmm, probably not. And he turns over and he digs his fingers into this boulder and pulls it in half with a great crack and leans Impressive. on right, leans on one half and points to the other half and goes, you can use the handholds. Pick that boulder above your head. 
All right. Well, let's see what I can do. Uh, what kind of check do you want me to give? Well, um, I'll let you make a strength saving throw or an athletics check. All right. Um, let's do an athletics check. They're both the same. 22. All right. So <clears throat> you've never been much for lifting boulders above your head. Despite all of your strength, you've never thought, man, what? Am, how would I go about lifting rock the size of me? But you okay. put down, you, you, you sort of stamp your, your glaive into the ground and like loosen up your muscles. You know this is going to be hard. But you wrap your arms around, you find the handholds in, in the, the two sides of the rock and you kneel down and with all of your strength stand up with it in your arms uh, holding it up to your chest. And uh, the bodybuilder almost begins to clap and goes gesturing for you to get it higher. And so you grunt and you groan and you pull it up to your shoulders and then you get an end on one of your shoulders and then you're able to maneuver it. And through great strain, you have this probably 500, 600 pound stone above your head. Oh, yeah, I do. And not much longer before you get it there do you immediately have to drop it into the ground, which part of it digs almost a half foot into the dirt. And uh, you fall to a knee, panting your your heart, your lungs out. That's probably one of the most single physically stressful things you've ever done in your life. And uh, the, the, the sort of bodybuilder man walks over and gives you a big slap on the back that knocks whatever wind that was still in you out of you and goes, I'm very impressed in you. You've done well. What is your name? Pahokwe Pathweaver. Ah, yes. From the icy lands east of here, yes. Sure I am. All the way from the west. Or east, sorry. And in one swift motion, maybe it's because you're not ready to be engaged in grappling or anything. Or maybe you're just still really trying to catch your breath from this experience. But in no time flat, this man has lifted you by the back of your thighs with each of his meaty hands and lifted you above his head like you're a child. And he shouts your name to the nearby congregation that you are someone of note and your strength should be revered. And he sets you down next to your glaive. Fantastic. I give him a nice pat on the shoulder back. <laughs> all friendly with him and everything. Yeah, he, he smiles. Like this guy. Yeah, he smiles and gives you a big old thumbs up. Uh, and and hopes that you enjoy the rest of the the festival. All right. Uh, who's next? Nalos would also like to try and lift the boulder. All right. So you step up, and uh, the body same guy does the same sort of like sizing you up sort of nods and uh, does the same sort of thing. There's still that cracked boulder that's in half, so he leans on the one half and sort of gestures to it for you to go for it. And before you you sort of put your hand on it at first to try and get an idea of how to hold this thing, he puts his big meaty palm on your shoulder and goes, no magic. Mm. And lets your shoulder go. Okay. <clears throat> So, uh, same thing. Sa- strength save, throw, or an athletics check if you want. I'm going to go with an athletics check here. 
That is only a 14. Okay. All right. So you similar story to uh, the yak folk before you. Um, you get a hand for it, and you're able to get it up off the ground with all, with all of your might behind it. But you can only get it to about your belt level, and you're like beginning to feel your knees and back buckle under the head under the weight. And the bodybuilder picks up on that, and feels that you're probably not going to get it the rest of the way. And as he was sort of giving you the same gesture of higher, higher, and he just sort of shakes his hand and goes, "That's enough." And you equally petered out, drop it to the ground. It doesn't dig quite as deep as the first time, but uh, are equally out of breath. And uh, he sort of puts his big paw on your shoulder and digs his fingers and gives you a little shake and goes, you're strong. You will get there. Do not worry. I will have my eye on your success. Enjoy the festival. Rocks are a lot heavier up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who's, who's, who's next? Anyone, whoever's brave enough. No, I don't feel strong enough to pick up a rock. Well, just whoever wants to try and see if they can do their challenge. Uh, I'd like to do a challenge. Okay. So, uh, a... I don't want to just be like, you see you, but 150 years older. But, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're walking about sort of seeing strengths and, and dexterity challenges and people performing and weaving magic. Uh, but you hear a whisper on the wind in uh, Orarian. And as you turn your beak towards it, you see a being as old as some of the greatest trees you've ever seen. Just bark, withered skin, ancient almost. Uh, gnomish woman, uh, man, standing there in long robes. Ness resting all of his meager body weight on this staff. And he beckons you over uh, and tells you that he has a challenge for someone like you. Excellent. Uh, so you approach, and uh, the gnome sort of bows very kindly uh, and speaks to you in druidic. Oh. And says, I know of your path. I know what you walk. Show me how graceful you walk that path. And turning around, you sort of see a little wisp of sand and dust kick up from the ground, and the being disappears into wind, but you can feel the direction the wind has flown. It goes past and behind a tent. Okay. I'll follow it behind that tent. All right. This wind weaves past a few more tents, and it's almost daunting how you have to keep stepping very delicately over these large ropes, but you can hear the gnome's whisper on the wind to follow you. And for a moment, you're like, is this, is this the challenge? Do I have to just walk over some ropes? (laughs) When out of nowhere, you, you hear wind cut by feather, make a deck save. Uh, is a 20. Right. Not, not a crit. That's fine. Uh, you 
you, you you're so in tune with that sound of wind being cut by feather you turn and see a large hawk strike down at you uh and swoop and miss as you deftly maneuver away from its attack and it flies back up in a predatory way cycloning vertically before what would inevitably be another attack what do you do it's hmm. a good question <laughs> um, I'm gonna fight back against this, this hawk um, don't actually have any spells prepared that would gain me any advantage to that so I'll just take out my sling and sling a rock at it okay uh, go ahead and make an attack roll. All right. <laughs> uh, seven. All right. So the hawk swoops down at you, and you let loose a rock fling from your sling, and it hits the bird right in the face, and it flies through it as it as the bird falls into sand. And the sand sort of, like, rains down on you, and as you're sort of, like, patting this sand off of you, looking at your feet you see a small collection of rocks climb up onto itself and form a little man and then run along the path away from you small man running away from me I think I can catch that man like to uh, scramble around and see if I can catch that little rock man okay so, give me uh, acrobatics as you try and jump over the uh, ropes and tethers that are pull- holding the tents down. Uh, eight. Okay. Uh, you get out of the alleyway of ropes, but you've definitely lost some distance uh, as you get to a clearing. Uh, you realize immediately you're in a training ring. There's clearly a fence around you now that you tripped over as you fell in. Um, but you see the grass visibly grow until it's about, uh, well, I don't know that Arakoa have knees, but it would about knee height. And uh, you see the little gnomish man for a moment standing amongst the grass, and then you see him fall into sand again, and then you see a snake's head above the grass as it then slinks under the grass. And you hear upon the wind, Well, your move. <laughs> uh, see, can I roll perception to see if I can find him? Yeah, absolutely. Alright. see. Oh, crit. Okay, you've hunted you've hunted snakes before. They're a pretty good meal out in the open grasslands. So you sort of slam one of your taloned feet down and leap ten feet into the air, bat your wings for just a one or two moments, scanning the grass as you look for movement. And there you see him. Um, how do you want to approach the snake? You've got perfect line of sight. You're above him. Uh, I'd like to just. Uh snatch it out grapple it alright so with your talons yeah alright make an attack roll uh with advantage 
Okay. Uh, you said with, and that's with advantage. Yeah, that was, that was the better of the two. Ah, <laughs> uh, bummer. Um, you do catch the snake. Uh, not as well as I was hoping you would, but you do pin your talons on the snake, and you can almost hear the gnomish voice chuckle uh, as the grass around you dies in a circle. And then the snake grows and grows and grows until you are clenching your talons around a snake that your talons no longer fit around. <laughs> and a, a, a large anaconda poises its head up and lunges at you. What do you do? Start making an attack. Okay. Um, you don't want to wild shape or cast a spell or anything? I was just looking through my spells to see what uh, what might be good. I have Moonbeam. Okay. So, so basically you write down it has a range of around 20 feet, but right, right down in front of me here and cast a uh, beam of moonlight will uh, do I'll just read it a creature enters the spell's effect first turn, it's engulfed in ghostly flames, cause searing pain must make a constitution saving throw Takes 2d10 radiant damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. A shape changer makes a saving throw with disadvantage. If it fails, it instantly reverts to its original form and can't okay. assume a different form until it leaves the spell's light. Okay, so the anaconda lunges at you and fails its save. Okay. Um, and then the gnomish man is immediately struck out of his wild shape. And stands there and applauds you very, very loudly, despite his very small hands. The grass recedes, and he sort of, like, whiffs his hand back and forth, and uh, the moonbeam is dispelled. uh, And walks forward, sort of brushing off the ghostly embers that you've cast upon him. And says, you have impressed me. You are wise for your young years, and you can think very clearly, even in dire moments. You have impressed me, my friend. And for that, he sort of raises his hand as if he's, like, raising it up like that to you. And a plume of vines shoots from the ground and raises you up ten feet into the air. And his voice booms, and he says, All witness this man. He has shown me that even in my two hundred years, there are still many ways of the wild that I have not mastered. And the vines sort of recede, and you're let down. And as he continues to gently applaud you, woo! Um, all right, who's feeling brave? Me. Okay. So, uh, you see that there is a large tent, and standing out in front of it is a uh, furbolg, and he looks at you and sort of nods and sort of, without a single word, sort of points his thumb into the side of the tent that's uh, pretty dark inside. 
I follow. He follows you. You go in first. Uh, okay. Alright. As he goes inside, um, that he closes the tent behind you and sort of lifts a small pebble from his pocket and throws, a, sort of flicks a few pebbles into different parts of the room. Each of them are casting light. Uh, almost as if they're as powerful as a lantern themselves. You can see you're in a room, a relatively wide circular room with different columns that are clearly there for no purpose other than to provide cover. And he walks into the middle of the room and says, and sort of crosses his arms and points to behind him where there is the an, an exit to the tent quite visible that has three knot or two knots from holding the fabric shut. And he says, if you can leave through that part of the tent without me seeing you, that would be good. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I am going to, I mean, first I want to look around the room. I don't want to just leave without seeing what's up. Um, so just fancy decorative columns just there. Well, like I mean, there's a couple barrels. There's a couple pillars. There's it looks like almost like someone upended a room so you can sneak your way through it without getting seen by light. OK. Um, yeah, I'm just going to I want to poke around the room. I want to. Check out what he's doing while I do this. Is he he's, just, you know, keeping an eye on me? Yeah, you're you you are, you're making no attempt to hide. So he just looks at you, and the moment you walk yeah. forward at all, he s- snaps his fingers, and you're immediately teleported to the beginning. Hmm. Okay. Then I'm going to look at him, and I'm going to snap both fingers, and I don't, I don't think I cast it. I just do it. Um. Set my fingers and then do hidden step. Okay. And that it just says like until my next round, so I'm assuming that's six seconds of Right, so you have thirty feet of movement. Yep. And I'm just gonna book it. Okay. So you run through the room and he trips you. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I can hear you. Snaps his fingers, mm-hmm. you appear at the beginning again. Okay. Well, I can't do that again. Unless a shorter long wrist. I am going to pick up a barrel and put it on his head. He doesn't let you. I'm gonna make him let me. Okay. Make uh, <laughs> make an attack then. It works in Skyrim. <laughs> uh, 14. So you try and put the barrel over his head, and then mm-hmm. you, like, set it on his shoulders. He really doesn't fight you. And then when you let go, <laughs> the barrel just falls into the onto the ground, <laughs> and he's standing right next to you and goes, What are you doing? <laughs> Snaps his fingers, and you're back at the beginning. It hadn't moved. Well, he's in the middle of the room. Oh, well, I thought my hidden step would work. Hmm. Against a furbolg. That's all. 
That's all I'm good at. Um. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, have you considered slinking into the shadows and making a stealth roll? I mean, I thought there's not enough shadows. Like, he sees everything in this room. He's in the middle of it. No, no, okay. I'm, I'm like, obviously... I moved, I got back to the beginning. I'm obviously not explaining this room accurately. So, he's standing in the middle of a circular room. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of light sources in the room. Small light sources. <clears throat> and they're gotcha. and they're casting light, which is casting shadows off of all these pillars and columns, and barrels. Okay. So the majority of the room but, is in relative uh, darkness. Okay. But well, then I'm going to pick something small up. I'm going to pick a couple small things up. Just are there any like small things? Sure, you find so a sm- can... that you can what? Okay. So I can throw them at some point? Uh, sure. Okay. So I pick up a couple things. I'm going to link off to the left um, and make a stealth roll as I throw something just across on the other side, hoping to perform some type of distraction. Okay. So why don't you give me a stealth roll to move into that position and then a deception roll to bait him with an object. Okay. So 13 stealth and a 17 deception. He sort of looks over to where you hid. He can kind of clearly see that that's where you went. But then you, <laughs> you throw the item and he sort of turns his head over there saying, I thought she already did that. Okay, well then, when his back is turned, he's going to make another stealth roll and like, use stuff as cover. That sounds exceptional. Um, I'm, also, I'm also, before I do that, I'm going to cast Disguise Self as a, look, make myself look human, so I'm three feet, I appear three feet tall. You can, look, you can look like a furball and do that. I don't look like, I just want to be shorter that's what i'm saying okay well then i'll just be a three feet shorter version of myself all right make your stealth roll no i rolled a one all right uh you you sneak like one more progression through the room and then he goes (laughs) ha and you hear him snap his fingers and you're back at the beginning i'm gonna look at him am i still short yeah Okay. I. Uh... <laughs> Is there anything living in the room? Is it just like just and just and stuff? yeah? It's just inanimate objects. That doesn't help me at all. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. 
Well, it's been a minute since you've done anything, so he kind of looks at you and says, do you give up? I'm just going to look at him and say, for now, yes, but I'll be back and I'll be better. Sort of shrugs and goes, all right, then. Leave out the way you came. (laughs) All right. Who's next? I will take up a challenge. Great. So, um, you uh, are called aside by a very stereotypical looking wizard. I'm talking robe, big pointy hat, the whole nine. Uh, And he looks at you and says, you there with the smaller version of yourself on your shoulder. Yes, yes. Sort of beckons you over to him. And uh, you walk into a large rectangular uh, training arena. And he goes, well, judging by your attire and your manner of way, it seems like you're in touch with something larger than this world. How good of a shot are you? good of a shot am I well hard to say I think I'm pretty darn good oh do you then well then he sort of claps his hands together and he sort of uh, poofs into smoke and then down the the 50 foot range three um, monsters spawn they just look like weird aberrational creatures that you've never seen before and they immediately roar at you and begin to run at you. What do you do? Hmm. What do I do? Well, I ain't gonna let them charge at me like that, so... I'm gonna hit them with what I got. Alright. Well, what do you got? Well, I got a, a couple spells up my sleeve. Um, let's see. spiritual weapon spell okay so you cast spiritual weapon yes and spiritual weapon summons a weapon that fights for you Mm -hmm. alright go ahead and make the uh, attack with it uh, new question, what die do I roll again? Let's see here. I'm pretty sure 
that it, like most things, starts with a d20. Okay. To a hit. I rolled a 13. Okay. Um, and that's, it's a spell attack, so what's your, what's your bonus to spell attack? Plus four, right? Yes. All right, so that's a, that's a total of 17 then, right? Yes. All right, so you hit the first monster. Roll damage of 1d8 plus your charisma modifier. Okay. I rolled the seven. Okay. So you poof the first of the three monsters uh, as your summoned spiritual weapon slices through it. And, uh... The monsters are over half the distance. What else do you do? They're over half the distance. Sorry, I lost one spell slide. Uh, can I cast another spell? Uh, yeah, but I mean, spiritual weapon lasts for a minute. Okay, well then, if it lasts for a minute and they're half the distance, I went to direct my spiritual blade to swipe at the second monster. All right, roll to hit. Yeah. 11 uh, plus 4, so 15. That hits. Roll damage. Nice. Uh, damn, 2. Still poofs the monster. Uh, and the the last of the, th- the three monsters are right upon you, and it attacks you with an appendage. Make, uh, sorry, I actually just attack you. Uh, does a 9 hit you? Uh, is your armor class above nine? Yes. It's okay. 14. Then the monster fails to hit you. Uh, it's your turn. Do you want to hit it with your with your spiritual sword? Yep. Do it one more time. And I rolled... A three. To hit? And plus four, so seven. That misses, but that's only a bonus action to make the sword attack. So you can still cast another spell if you wanted. Um, let's see. Could I also do a, a cantrip? Yeah, that's a spell. All right, awesome. So I'll do um, Eldritch Blast. All right. On the third monster. Uh, fucking Lauren's all smiling because she played a warlock in the last campaign. Oh, yeah. So go ahead and roll to hit. 1d20 uh, 10, plus... Uh, 10 uh, plus 4, 14. You hit it. Roll your damage. 1d10 plus uh, 2. 9. That'll poof the last one. And as you poof okay. the third monster, the wizard sort of walks back over to you and goes, Good job! Good job! Very good thinking on your feet. He uh, sort of flicks his hand towards your spiritual weapon and dispels it. Well, you've done well, and you've very much impressed me. Your arcane wit and talent is definitely not to be ignored, my friend. Thank you, and please enjoy the festival. Uh, thank you, my grand wizard. I shall. 
he smiles and sort of tells you know gestures for you to move along all right <laughs> anyone who hasn't tried yet I, I think that's just lauren I think that's just me all, all right. right i'm ready okay so as i mentioned before there was a uh, gnomish woman um playing the liar um as you walk past her immediately make a charisma saving throw Uh, that's a 21. Okay. So you immediately can tell that her music is trying to enchant and charm you. And noticing you notice that she sort of perks her eye and ear over towards you and sort of nods you over with her head as she continues to play. Uh, as you approach, she says, well, you're clearly cut from a different cloth if you can walk past my beautiful song and not immediately fall to your knees and try and play with me. So draw your favorite weapon and let's see if you can keep up in rhythm. And she begins to play another series of notes. Okay. Um, I will take out my like loop thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine it's like the size like slightly larger than a ukulele, but right. smaller than a guitar because those don't seem very road friendly. Right. All right. Go ahead and give me a performance, a perform check. Uh, it's a lot. Let's see, I'm not sure entirely sure I did them my skills right, but I'm okay. pretty sure I did. Um, it should just be 24. your four. Okay, that's a lot. Uh, what did you roll? An 18. Okay, so what's your charisma modifier? Three. And your proficiency is two. Mm-hmm. So, Plus, because I took entertainer, I get double my proficiency. There you go. So it's your, so your, your performance with that should actually be um, four plus three. It should be plus seven. Okay. So you're able to keep up with her and she's impressed, uh, visually impressed by your performance. And you sort of hear her say, show me something that you haven't, show me your true magnificence. Show me your real stage presence as she sort of like hits a huge series of notes in in of a chord or I don't know if I'm using right terminology. I don't know music well. Uh, And sort of light blooms around her and the air seems sweet like candy okay um so I'm gonna shred it on my loot uh but I'm not sure exactly what that entails I have bardic inspiration, but that goes to other people. Well, remember that I'm tailoring these challenges to each of your characters. So think about what your options are and what I'm probably asking for. All right. Well, I'm going to use my, um, Uh, sorry, hold on. 
I'm going to use my enthralling performance. Okay. Um, and that means for uh, when I perform for 10 minutes. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a jam song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I can choose up to uh, three humanoids within 60 feet of me. Um, each target must um, succeed on a will save throw against my spell save DC or be charmed. Okay. So you do that, and she plays along with you and listens, and she fails her wis- uh, wisdom save. Uh and is 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 charmed by you and as that happens she stops playing sets her lyre down and almost like she's wiping your influence from her like like limp mascara she sort of wipes your charm off of her and she applauds you and goes very well done i'm very impressed with your talent i hope you enjoy the rest of the festival you've definitely gained the notice of people here i give a big like flourishing bow and go off to to pet a cat Mm -hmm. oh my god it's kitty and um go off to explore the rest of the uh the festival gotcha right on alright uh now let's revisit the two people who failed their first attempt (laughs) Uh, which one of you wants first? Black paper scissors, you. I don't know if you're on camera. Nick? I'll go first. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So. I'm trying to make heads or tails of your character sheet. Nice. I'm sorry. It's okay. You just have a couple of skills like scratched out. Oh, those are the that's perception and deception. That's my um my expertise ones. Gotcha. Alright. So do you go back to the same place or look for a new challenge? I'll look for a new one. Okay. So uh you see a very, very modest looking uh person sitting on a large lockbox. Okay. And he points to you and goes, You there, think you can open my box? He seems awfully enthused with the joke. <laughs> I say, well, I will certainly try. And he goes, But before I... Go ahead. But before I like to open things, I always like to... Think about who owns it and what would be inside. So what can you tell me about this box before I attempt? There's nothing in it yet. Nothing to it. It's a simple iron box. And if you can open it, it will impress me. I know. Okay. Well, then... First, I just want to try to open the box. See if there's anything to it. Before you approach the box... He he opens the box and closes it with him inside. Yeah. And you can okay. hear the lock reinitiate when he closes it and you hear him bang inside. Save me. And I'm going to yell back, if I can't save you, that was a really dumb decision. 
How do you open the box? Uh, first, I want to see if I can flip the lid. Um, give me a athletics check. Okay. Ten. You can lift the box, like lean it up onto its back. Like you, it's clearly not super heavy. Um, okay. but when you, as you just try and lift the box open, it doesn't open. Okay. Can I tilt it onto its side to upset the gnome inside? Sure. Okay. I do so. You just hear like a bag of meat flop in it. You don't really hear him say anything. That's fine. Okay. Well, I have a crowbar and I have my thieves tools. Okay. So I'm going to go for my thieves tools first. All right. Just roll. Um, I got to check and see, actually. Are you proficient in thieves tools? Yeah. Then, um... You know, this is actually, in all of my campaigns in 5th edition, I don't think that uh, how you lockpick a box has actually come up. <laughs> well, better hurry, Gnome's suffocating. He's in a large box. There's enough air in there for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, okay, just uh, make a dex check with adding proficiency from your thieves tools. 14. And hold on, I gotta check something. Okay, you open the box and inside is another box, smaller this time. Okay, I'm gonna knock on it. It was, yes, are you going to save me? Did you shrink yourself? No, I put myself in a box that's in a box. Okay. Well, that was an even sillier decision. Do you want to make that... I'm going to use my crowbar on. Do you want to intimidate him with that? He's in a box. He can't see me. I just want to use a crowbar to try to, like, wedge it open. Okay. Go for it, then. Make an athletics Ooh. check. Uh, athletics check with advantage, since you're using a crowbar. Sweet. <laughs> Good. One power computer, and that one worked better. Sixteen. Sixteen? Yep. All right. You open the box, and he go, and he sort of springs out of it like a jack-in-a-box, and goes, well done! You clearly can get through some pretty nasty doors. You have impressed me. I'm holding me. a crowbar. Right. Did I break the box? No, you just opened it. You just, pri okay. you just okay. pried it open. And uh, he congratulates you and applauds you and says, Good job. You've impressed me. And he's like three feet tall, right? And I'm like way up there. I I'm interested as to where you got that he's a gnome because I at no point said what his race was. I don't know. I just assumed it was the same guy from last time who was a gnome, I guess. And he fit in the box. So, oh. I thought small creature. I you, you say that, but I did say he was, like, sitting on this box. I did imply that this box is pretty big. Yeah. Well, like, I, I heard that, and I was just like, okay, it's a gnome, like, sitting on a trunk. Sure, he can totally fit inside that trunk. No. But, like, whatever it is, I'm still bigger than it, so I still want to breathe down and 
like knight it with my crowbar. Okay. He sort of swats your hand to the side and goes, don't be weird. Alright, uh, Nicholas, you're the last of the party. Alright. Uh, let's see. You had mentioned there was somebody that has, like, straw dummies that seem like a sort of target practice range? Yes. Right? Is, uh, that something I can go and throw things? Yes. Excellent. I'd like to walk on up to that. Alright, the, uh, human woman sort of sees you sidle up to the side of the ring and she goes, well, climb on over. Let's see what you're capable of. All right. So Nalos is going to hop that little fence and eye up his targets. Uh, about how far away are the straw dummies? Maybe 20 feet from you. Okay. So Nalos is going to put his hand up and his trident will just materialize there as he summons it from his room where he stored it. Uh-huh. And then he's going to take a, a nice good throw and chuck it into one of the dummies. Okay, make an attack roll. That is a 21. Yeah. Yeah, you you sink your trident deep into it. Uh, do I have to hit all of them, I'm guessing? No, 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 just... So she just sort of eyes up the trident and goes, All right, good shot. And let's see how you do. And so she takes two pretty good-sized discuses from her back pouch and just sort of looking at you and sort of heads up to the air, uh, throws um, basically a plate in the air and goes, Hit it! All right. I'm going to make it poof back to my hand. Uh Uh-huh. And make another toss. Oh. Uh, that is only a 12. Still good enough to hit it. All right. All right. So you, you shatter the plate. And uh, do you recall the trident immediately? Yes, yes. She goes... Don't want it landing on some unsuspecting person. Right. And she goes, all right, all right. And she grabs a, a pair of plates, one for each hand, and throws one and then two rapidly. So there's two of these in the air now. That's a rough time. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, I can at least throw at one of them. All right, go for it. All right, that's a 14. All right, that shatters it. It's the one. Think Uh, Think about your abilities. surge yeah I would think as a fighter yeah uh, and I'm gonna bring my trident back make another chuck real quick go for it ah only a nine alright so you th- throw the trident recall it and then throw it again uh, but you only chip you you nick the plate uh, and, but uh you call the trident back to your hand, and she still applauds and goes, Very good, very good. You've almost impressed me. Now, and she draws her rapier from her side and says, Let's see who gets first blood. And she thr- lunges towards you. All right. 
make an attack or take your take your turn she's within 10 feet of you okay uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and take a stab at her with it in my hand okay oh, eight you miss and she uses her reaction uh, she sort of guides the weapon past her grabs it and throws it into the ground and she goes I have you and she tries to thrust upon you um, does a 13 hit you? It does not. Okay. It's your initiative. She's standing there in front of you and your trident's, you've been disarmed. Okay. Uh. I mean, thankfully, that's, that's not that big a deal. Yeah. My bonus action, just make it reappear. Right. Get ready to make another stab. All right, go for it. As a 19. Okay. So you sort of very deftly retract the blade to your hand and then thrust it into her midsection. And you see it's going to land. But with... Now, this woman has shown you so far to be pretty pretty fast. Mm -hmm. uh, she's clearly um, more talented than you are, but certainly as talented as you attain to be. Right. Uh, but with a flash of speed... Even though she's fully extended out towards you, there's a, a flash of light as her weapon redirects and she stops your trident just before it would pierce her. And you sort of hear her huff for a moment and goes, Well then, you're not to be taken lightly, are you? Well done. She sort of like pulls her sword up and sheaths it and sends her, of her, her calloused and I guess... Yeah, calloused hand towards you and shakes yours and goes, Welcome to the land, friend. You've impressed me. Good job. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, so, as uh, this has all sort of transpired over the course of a couple of hours between all of the party members, and you've, you've as you all have been walking around either looking for your challenge or after it, uh, you've seen other people, you know, being exclaimed like, Hey, I'm impressed by this person or blah, blah, blah. But the day goes on, and you're collectively fed um, a lunch, and uh, the same top hat wearing, glitzy cloak wearing, magician looking guy <coughs> sort of poofs uh, during lunch and goes, Well, 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 I hope the first half of your day, or, well, the second half of the sun, but the first half of your day has been well. Raise your left hand and look at your palm, all of you. All of the party members that do this see that there is a small mark embered into your palm. It doesn't hurt. It's not like a scar, but you can see it very clearly. There's a magical mark been placed on your palm. And he goes, if there is nothing on your left palm, I would ask you leave. You have not impressed us. We appreciate you coming out and we will see you next year. The rest of you. Please stay and enjoy your lunch or dinner. What time is it? And he sort of looks around confused. And uh, then the lar so of this sort of festival ground, this uh, there's been one very large tent that's been kind of non-opened all day. And as the sun begins to set, that does open. Uh, 
and uh, you can hear music and song and smell wine and, and feast inside. And he goes, I asked all of you worthy to please join me and your testers inside. We have something lovely to share with you. Well, I go in and join them. Yep. Yeah. All right. I mean, I check my palm. Do yeah. Have marks? Yeah. On, on each of the party members' palms, there is a mark. Awesome. I follow inside into the tent as well. Okay. Yep. So you guys, yep. you guys all walk in and, uh, Notice that there's a lot less folks than today began with. I mean, outside of this party of six, there's maybe only ten other people who are still on site. I noticed this. I'm a little smug about it. <laughs> anyway, you guys walk in and are immediately greeted with offerings of drinking mead from horns and ale from tankards. Uh, there's a lovely feast laid out and enough seats exactly for your party and the other remaining participants. Um, and uh, you sort of see the people who challenged you over the course of the day all around walking around. Some of them look over at your party and see like, hey, that's the guy who lifted the boulder or, you know, hey, that's the guy that was able to, you know, unwild shape me or whatever. So you guys feel a little bit of recognition from the people that are definitely very talented individuals that you were able to step up to and impress. Uh, but as you all sort of are encouraged to sit down and enjoy the feast, a, the, the entire tent goes dark and a single blue light flickers in the middle and dances around the room almost as if the flame is alive. And sort of goes around and hits different little torches. The little blue flame lights the room. And as it ends, it sort of ends into one torch and then glows brighter. And upon a throne at the top of uh, a, a small staircase overlooking the entirety of the feast, there is a man wearing a mask. An ivory mask with two red streaks across his cheek, or what his cheek would be. And he sort of stamps those little staff that this blue flame is in, and the whole room lights up. And the band kicks in, and it's just quite a wonderful sight. And then this being, clad in long yellow robes, very ornate and styled in... Uh, if anyone wants to give you a religion check, I can give you more insight. But style... Does anyone have religion? Uh, actually, I do. Alright, go for it. Uh, twelve. Right. Uh, you don't identify the god or what religious symbol symbology, but you're like, hey, I think that that's religious stuff. <laughs> it's like god or some shit. I saw some, but I guess my point is, you recognize it's not random yeah. patterns. Um, and he steps up, stands up, and with a relatively weak voice compared to some of the showboating you've seen over the course of the day. Uh, the band sort of dies down after a moment. He goes, friends, allies, well, the next generation, I welcome you to the Festival of Skills. You all have impressed my, fa my friends with your different repertoires of ability. My name is Chet, and I ask that you join me at this table tonight tonight 
as I am your actual host. You see, I come from a land far away from here, and there is a great problem that I suffer, and I am using, well, gaining from the from the Adventurers Guild people of notoriety that could help me with my problem. I ask that you enjoy your stay. There will be tents for you to sleep in and footlockers for you to keep your possessions safe. But tomorrow, I will put you all against one another, for the caravan that will take you to my home is only large enough for so many. So look around you, recognize your what could be allies or what could be your enemies, and rest deep, and know that tomorrow will be a day of trials. But I look forward to working with every one of you, and I wish you all the best. And then he sits back down, and the band kicks back up. So the feast is lovely, but those words can't leave your head. You sort of look around. You see a big old white yak folk. You see a couple of disgruntled-looking humans that look shady. (coughs) You see a being that glows of light. You see all manner of people. And you saw them earlier in the day, too, so you know that they're strong. You're in good company, but you're also in very impressive company. Tomorrow will be a challenge and arduous for all of you. And you can't shake it. But with that, I'm going to end session tonight. And next session, we'll get into the second trial of the Festival of Skills. I am, as always, your host, Kenny uh, and Dungeon Master. We have had our full party of Pahokwi. Yo. Nalos. Right here. Nara. Uh, Till next week. Vala. Thanks for listening. Karak. Goodbye. And Necro. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Have a lovely night. Bye. Bye.